George Kilpatrick, inspiration for the nation, celebrating people we feel good about. Well, Julie, have you been on this show before? No, you've never felt good about me. Wow. What? Oh, my God. And I don't know why. So here we are. Joe Lee, the former general manager of WAER in Syracuse, where I, by the way, got my start. Yeah, I was a student at Syracuse at one time and did all that stuff over there. But enough about me. Let's talk about Joe Lee, because Joe is now the general manager of New Jersey, PBS, part of the WNET network. So that's all in the New York metropolitan area. But he's on the other side of the river because he's got all of the Jersey side of it, right? So yeah. he's a Jersey boy now. And Jersey uh, Joe. we want to hear, Joe, first of all, congratulations on the new uh, position. That's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, just, a, just a minor tweak to the title. Oh, what I say? It's vice president Excuse and general me. manager. Yeah. Uh, and general manager. Yeah. I mean, I earned it. So I'm, right. I'm VP and GM. Okay. All right. So <laughs> at least we didn't get, we got most of your title. <laughs> but, but, but congratulations, brother. That's a big deal. And, um, you know, how did you come across this opportunity? Um, well, you know, they, uh, WNET group recruited me um, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they had purchased um, a, public radio station on Long Island. Um, and uh, they recruited me to run that. And so I went through the process with them. Um, very good process, interviewed well. Uh, and when it came down to the offer, um, I decided to, to not go with it because it was a, a small station. It had an, you know, I had an opportunity to take a, a sort of a diamond in the rough and build it up. Mm -hmm. um, but it felt like a step backwards for me. You know, we had uh, accomplished so much at WAER. I had a strong team. Um, you know, we were uh, uh, clicking on all cylinders with our community engagement and our journalism. So I didn't want to give that up to go rebuild um, another station. So I said, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and so when the uh, VP general manager for NJPBS announced his retirement, they just came back um, to me and asked me to uh, apply based on the interactions I had um, previously with them. So, um, so I went through the process and, um, you know, they made me an offer and I, I couldn't refuse it. So did you, did you retire from Syracuse? I retired from Syracuse. It's a technicality because at, uh, you know, at my age, I'm, I'm 56. Um, I can retire from SU and retain my retiree benefits. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means my daughter could finish, uh, her education there. She's in her final semester. Um, there, uh, there are uh, retiree health benefits and, you know, you get to use the facilities and all. So I wanted to maintain after 29 years uh, at Syracuse University, I wasn't trying to give up all the benefits <laughs> I, had, I had worked hard for. So, so it required that I retire to retain those benefits. Um, and then I just uh, moved on to another position. Word. All right. So, Let's talk about, uh, let's do a little bit of This Is Your Life with Joe Lee. So you grew up in Baltimore, right? Mm -hmm. um, would you call it the mean streets of Baltimore? You write on your blog about some of your experience. How would you describe your, your growing oh, yeah. up in Baltimore? No, I'm growing, we grew up, grew up inner city. Um, a good portion of my childhood in Section 8 housing in the Cherry Hill uh, neighborhood in, in Baltimore. It was rough and tumble. Um, raised by a single mom. and. Um, you know, so we moved around in the city a little bit, but always within the city limits and always within uh, areas that, uh, you know, required 
some survival skills, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, uh, staying out of trouble and, and, and things like that. So, you know, I was blessed to have uh, uncles in my life that um, that I looked up to. Um, they uh, showed that, you know, hard work will get you places. They always emphasized uh, e- education, you know, as did my mom. Uh, and so my brother and I, you know, we we did what we needed to do to survive the streets, have some fun, still screw up, but always have an eye on on the fu- on our future. So, um, you know, I wanted something out of out of my my life. I wanted something for myself. Um, so, you know, always put in the work in school and 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 tried to always progress. So, yeah, no, Baltimore is uh, uh, I'm always loyal to my soil. That's my spot. Listen, as I'm listening to you, thinking about you growing up in the city and the, pre- I, I, I don't know, what do I call it, pressure? You know, when you're trying to overcome some of the things that a lot of your comrades don't overcome and here you are and how, and how does that position you and how do you navigate that? Because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's very difficult to navigate. They succumb yeah. to the environment as opposed to rise above it. Right. right. You know, so, my, my, a couple of my best friends, I mean, my very best friends in junior high school dropped out and were, you know, were trying to convince me uh, to drop out. And I had some moments, you know, there was a time in elementary school where I missed 21 days in a row of school. I think I might I may have written about that in my um, uh, the, the making of a miscreant. Um, yes, yes, part yes, of my yes. blog. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You know, and, and uh, you know, and, and it just, it was a snowball thing where I didn't go for a week, then I didn't have a note to go back, and I just let it go on and on and on. Uh, and the school finally called my mom, who, you know, damn near busted my head open. You know, uh, I had to uh, um, stay grounded for quite a while, right? Uh, I will go to school like 5,000 times. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so it wasn't really worth it to to, to miss that much <laughs> time because of that. But but the point is, you know, the things were happening around me that could have like so many um, young uh, folks, particularly young black men growing up in the city, uh, could have easily pulled me um, in in the wrong direction, you know. And so um, I wasn't perfect. I didn't have any kind of grand plan. I just kind of, you know, from my uncles, my grandfather always uh, instilled a sense of right and wrong. Right. So um, and then my brother, my brother was a was a kind of a straight and narrow kind of guy. And I looked up mm-hmm. to him. So um, he wouldn't really allow me to screw up that way. Did you lose your brother? Lost my brother in 1999. Uh, he was a he had developed uh, kidney issues in high school. Uh, he was a three-letter sport dude, so he was, uh, you know, a jock, um, an A student. Um, but yeah, in his uh, going into his senior year of high school, he developed uh, kidney issues, lost his kidneys, and after years of, uh, you know, all these um, steroids and drugs and and treatments, he had um, a a transplant that didn't take mm-hmm. uh, and pass and I'm not sure exactly what he passed of but passed shortly after that surely that was a moment for you and I'm sure a lot of what you do is in remembrance remembrance and reflections on uh that relationship yeah no I'm not a you know me I'm not a super 
religious, spiritual kind of person, but I do feel like my brother is watching over mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if there are things that I might do that might disappoint him, I think twice about it, you know, it's the whole ancestral thing. Uh, so, so, you know, um, yeah, no, he was a, he was a really good man. Really good man. You went to undergrad where? I went to uh, Towson State University in, in Baltimore, Maryland, where I was um, unceremoniously kicked out mm. because of a uh, lack of performance. So the, all the things that I did to, to get me there went out the window when I finally got to, to college and did some partying. I think I truly believe that I was the kind of student that would have benefited in a year off, you know, to, okay. to either work or get grounded, take it more seriously. Um, but going straight for me, going straight uh, to college from high school um, didn't work because I, I started you know, drinking beer, hitting parties, blowing a few trees. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, there were moments where I remember, you know, in a, showing up at a fine, I'd gotten together with a couple of buddies. We blew a tree uh, and uh, realized I had a final exam. And so mm. I went to the final exam. I sat down. It was uh, a math class. I looked at the exam. I laughed and I walked out. Mm-hmm. It was just, I was that pathetic. Right. So, so, uh, so, so yeah, I, uh, got all the way to my, um, first semester junior year, um, when I was academically dismissed. And, and I put all of that in perspective because here you are, right. Yeah. The vice president and general manager of New Jersey PBS, yeah. former GM for, so at what point then do you become, I mean, and then we t- we'll talk about going to Morgan to be mm-hmm. the uh, director there. And then the, when you first came to Syracuse being program director. So at what point does the Joe Lee that we know today kick in? <laughs> the, the, the moment I was kicked out, mm. you know? Um, so uh, I remember my mother uh, coming down the steps one day, I was sitting on the couch watching te- television and she was like, you're going to have to pay me rent or you got to get out. Mm. You're not going to do anything with your life. Right. So uh, I decided to um, just get started by enrolling in a, a local broadcast school in, in Maryland um, and did that just to get some basic skills um, to, to, because when I was at Towson, here's the, the dumb dream that I had. I wanted to be a filmmaker and mm. I went to school for, for film um, for, to study filmmaking. I figured I could get into radio and make money and do independent filmmaking. So that did not go according to plan. <laughs> you know, it's, I thought there was a lot of money in radio. You thought that. <laughs> I thought that. I thought I could make money in commercial radio and, and make my own movies. Unfortunately, I started out in public radio. Right. Um, and, and, and that was starting out as a volunteer, as a right. volunteer okay. jazz music announcer at Morgan, uh, at WEAA at Morgan State. Um, and I got bit by the jazz bug and then the radio bug. And I just worked it from there, you know? So the education really was um, in, immersing myself in the industry and learning all that I can, you know? So it, 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 I, think it, I think degrees are um, important. I continued my education at uh, SU, continued it at, um, at uh, SUNY Empire State. 
but I studied things that I, I was just curious about with nothing, no end in sight, because I, you know, I believe that the, the skills that I had acquired, the capabilities that I acquired um, would allow me to push forward. Now, will there be gatekeepers uh, in the way um, that can, um, can, can stop that progress because of that piece of paper? Yep. And, and there have been. But I think what we're finding today, and certainly my, my current employer, um, is no longer looking at the four-year degree as, as the, the basic minimum. They're looking more at the skills, the capabilities, and the experience that someone brings to the job um, before they look at education. Yeah, and, and part of that, Joe, is because today you have access to creating your mm -hmm. own content that you didn't right. really have back in the day, right? You, oh, the only way you could create content is if you had access and you could go into a studio now, today, mm -hmm. you can do that. And, and, yeah. and, and obviously with many of a, a, a persons uh, discovered on YouTube or whatever the platform, look at, what's his name? Lil Nas X, wasn't he the TikTok, whatever yeah. that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. And, 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 and now that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so to you, I mean, I guess I'm trying, I'm, I'm saying that, yeah, there's a lot of different ways today yeah. to, 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 to do this. Yeah. And I mean, I can take, I can take an accounting course or I can spend years managing WAR's budget effectively, managing the um, annual financial audit process, putting together financial statements uh, and schedules. I mean, that's all real experience that you, you know, you'll, you'll learn the, the tenets of that stuff in a class, but until you sit down and do it and dig through the paperwork and have to uh, provide all these uh, supporting documentation and learn how to put together these uh, financial statements, you know, that, that's where the real work uh, is done, you know, learning how to manage people. Um, you don't really get that. True, true. So, so Joe, so Joe, you came to Syracuse from WEEA in at Morgan State in Baltimore, mm -hmm. and I'm saying it the way y'all say. It. I would normally say Baltimore, but I know y'all mm -hmm. say Baltimore, right? Y'all, Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. Um, and you came as program director, and now mm -hmm. uh, after so many years, you became the general manager mm -hmm. of of WAER. And during, I mean, you you were you here at the time? It was still student run. Or that had no. that transition already happened? Yeah, no, I was I was hired by David Anderson, who was the general manager at the time. Um, someone who took a chance on me. Um, I had, I uh, think at that time, three, maybe four years of experience um, at, at WEAA um, as a uh, as talent and then as music director and then program director. So I worked my way up at WEAA in a very short period of time. Um, and that meant something to, to David. So he brought me in as uh, as the program director. Uh, and then I guess three years or so into into my time here, um, he was let go. Uh, and I served as a general manager on an interim basis, spent the better part of a year proving myself. And then my, my old boss, Peter Weber, also another person that gave me a shot. I mean, sometimes you, you, you just have to have that opportunity. And when you, when that opportunity comes, you got to make the best of it. What and was I your big, what I did. What was your biggest fear when you, as you were doing this interim job? I mean, you wanted it obviously. Yep. What was your biggest fear during that time? Not knowing the job. 
you know, because because the 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 reason one of the reasons he was let go was back at that time when when the station's power upgrade had caused so much interference in the fifty thousand watts and everybody's TV, baby. Right. So so I spent my entire interim time really resolving those issues Mm -hmm. and not really concentrating and running the day-to-day operation. So when that stuff was finally coming to some conclusion and you look up and now I got to ask myself, well, what is the job? You know, what is the, how am I going to put together a strategy, a growth strategy for audience, for, for, for uh, membership, for, you know, uh, fundraising? Um, How am I going to manage staff? Um, So all of that stuff, uh, once the, 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 the cloud and the fog of interference lifted uh, is when the reality hit was that now you have to be strategic and now you have to plan things out. You have to have a direction. You have to coach talent. You got to coach your people. Um, so that was the, that was the, the biggest fear. And of course the, the, the larger fear was failure. Yeah. Uh, just a fear of failing uh, at an opportunity that was afforded me. And we should, the context of that, talking to Joe Lee, a uh, former general manager of WAER Syracuse. I know that sounds funny, right? The former GM. Uh, and we, the context with that particular story was that there was when, when WAER upgraded from uh, to 50,000 watts, all the people near Syracuse University, a lot of people, a lot of people were getting WAER in places they didn't expect it. Not on their radio, but in their phones and their TVs and their appliances. It was coming through everything. Right. And so when Joe talks about having to resolve that, that was a big deal. Yeah, I, I remember, mean, I'm, right? we're following uh, weekly uh, FCC reports on um, resolving this. There were challenges to our license. I mean, it was a huge educational opportunity for me in that particular um, aspect of, of broadcasting. So the law, you know, all the legal stuff, um, managing FCC rules and policy, all that stuff was, I was absorbing, um, but missing out on the other pieces because we were just not operating um, normally, you know, during that time. Why you 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 had a little fun earlier? You said, "Well, I stayed. In, I was. It was public media, not commercial media. Why? Why public media for you? And and what you believe the role of public media is? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. Well, the 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 why public media for me was was that's where I started, you know, and grew to love it. But it was mission based. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, always about entertaining and uh, educating uh, the community first and foremost and not making a profit for someone else. So mm-hmm. the mission is what drives public media. The public service is what drives it. Uh, and that's what I that's what I'm all about. You know, that's why I love public media so much. So um, the work that we were able to do uh you know, when we were a music station and really engaging with the community on uh, in concerts and jazz shows and things like that. And then uh, when we moved more to a news format, really getting involved and engaged with the public on the issues that matter to to Syracusans, um, you know, taking on heavy, heady um, subject matter like poverty in Syracuse, um, the, the uh, social justice issues, 
uh, lead paint poisoning um, running rampant in, in Syracuse. So taking those on and providing context for our listeners. Um, and at the end of the day, when they are willing to um, part with some of their hard-earned cash to support what we do, you know, it, it means the world. And you've worked, uh, you worked at WAR and you worked at WCNY. Uh, so you, you kind of, you know how that feels. I know how it does. I definitely know how it feels. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about uh, just what, what, what it's like to have that impact. Yeah, the City, city, Lim city Limits project. Mm -hmm. That was, that, that was a, a, a very, uh, it was a necessary project, right? Mm -hmm. To really highlight the fact that our, to, to take the time and to, to take your resources mm -hmm. and, and really spend some time with it. That's what public media can do, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're singing the praises. We know that that's, you wouldn't do that uh, right. in, in most other spaces. And, and, and I appreciate that. But I want to ask you uh, about the shift from music, how hard of a decision mm -hmm. that was when WAR had been that only place to hear jazz in this community. And all of a sudden you're saying, okay, you're deciding in order for us to grow, we've got to do it differently. Now there's still music sometimes, yeah. but most of the time you've got NPR or some other, right? And so mm -hmm. how do you, how, did, how was that pivot and how did you absorb what did you have to absorb to get through that? Man, I mean, it was a it was a huge uh, project and a huge decision uh, to make. Uh, dude, I was burned in effigy, literally, in the <laughs> town, man. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> I had all kinds of threatening calls coming my way and voicemail messages and all this stuff. How do you get through uh, that though, personally? Right? You, you got you. You have to just. You have to be you know, grounded in your conviction that what you're doing is well-informed, data-driven, um, and is the best possible move for, for the station, right? So did all our research, you know, the uh, looking at trends in fundraising, looking at trends in our audience development, um, it was just flat, you know, and we in radio, we loyal uh, the P we, we, we value the P1 listener, the, the, the primary listener. Um, and that is represented as a loyalty, um, sort of a loyalty figure. Right. So our loyalty had dropped so low that for a lot of our listeners, we were a secondary and tertiary choice on the dial. They were leaving us after listening to Morning News and Morning Edition. And those who enjoyed music were going to Oldies and Y94. And those that wanted news, that continue listening to news, were going to WRVO. Oh, and, and they were jumping to music listeners were jumping to WCNY. So here we are playing music in the middle of the day. And people who wanted music wanted other types of music after mm. listening to, to um, morning edition and then um, those that, you know, got their morning edition fixed then moved on to, to RBO. So, so we were flatlining in terms of growth. We didn't see much growth in, um, in, in, in giving, didn't see much growth in audience development. And so something had to be done, right? Um, the trends were the, the writing was on the wall. And so um, we pulled all our data together Consulted with some um, some some folks uh, who who um, you know program uh, public radio stations, um, 
and went through some uh, the scenario planning. Um, and we were told right off the bat, you can expect a drop in audience, right? Right off the bat, you can expect um, anywhere between a three and 6% drop in revenue mm. right off the bat. Um, but you got to push through, right? And that might last uh, about a year. And we saw that. We saw uh, with all the burning flags and, and all that stuff, <laughs> we saw we saw audience uh, drop. But so we saw the, the overall weekly audience drop, but the loyalty went up, right? So those that, that really wanted that news stayed after listening to NPR's morning edition and stayed longer throughout the day. So loyalty went up. And then we saw um, fundraising go down. But by the time we had gotten to, I think, the second fund drive of the year, we saw it ticking back up. So we took a, a hit in about the first half to one year. Um, and then there's been steady growth ever since. We have seen um, uh, a more than 1% um, percentage uptick in market share uh, and um, not only uh, individual gifts growing, but because the numbers got better, the market position got better, we saw underwriting perform as well. So we were we were we were cranking it, man. We're hitting on all all cylinders. You you're African American in public media. You're in leadership in public media. How do you how so two two parts to this question. How I'm much do you think you're huh? I'm a unicorn. All right, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so talk about that, right? Like, yeah, that how rare you are in this in this space. Yeah, there's a there there are there's a small handful of us. Um, that when when we go to a conference, uh, public radio, public media conference, I mean, you can sit us all around one table. Mm. Um, and and uh, thankfully, we represent all market sizes. I mean, I know some I have some colleagues that represent some very large uh, market stations uh, in public media, all the way down to 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 the smallest. So. Um, we're seeing more opportunities uh, for folks um, now, uh, I think, because there, there's uh, been an exodus. Um, there have been a lot of folks who have held on to positions for a very long time that are retiring and moving out. So you, got, uh, you have a lot of folks that have uh, spent some time, either as development officers or um, programmers uh, who are, or, or journalists um, heading up large journalism organizations that are moving into the leadership position. So it's, grow, it's starting to grow a little more. Do you think your presence, how much do you think your presence as a black man at WAER, African-American leadership, influenced the station's attention uh, to marginalized communities? Do you think you've had any oh. influence on that? Oh, yeah, no, I was, that was very intentional. Mm -hmm. that, that was intentional. Um, you know, not, not be, because I'm a, a, a black man, but because without people like me thinking like me, people like us can get overlooked, mm -hmm. right? And so it's very intentional that we would, um, if you take poverty for, for, for ex example, mm -hmm. um, the reason we covered that for a year is because when those headlines generally come out, you know, they're headlines for a week or two. Yeah. And then exactly. they disappear, right? And then it disappears and the conversation goes away. So we wanted to make sure that that conversation was going to be held for the better part of a year. 
And really what we were trying to do was educate our audience, which is mostly white, mm -hmm. that if there are certain parts of our city and our community that are, are ailing, that are hurting, um, that it's a cancer, it's going to spread to the rest of the body at some point, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we really wanted to um, engage and educate our mostly white audience on this issue and really get them to act either by um, uh, contributing financially to an organization that was doing the work or by um, volunteering their, their time. And when we, when we did some surveying among uh, some of the organizations that we uh, featured in our reporting, uh, that activity bore fruit. You know, mm. we know that for um, when we did a story, a couple of stories on transportation with uh, Providence Services, uh, there were two members of the WAER audience that heard that story that contributed used cars wow. to this ride sharing program to people who were featured in that ride sharing program. So that's the power of public media. You know, really telling that telling that story, humanizing what's going on in our community and, and inspiring people to act. Uh, I know our time is short, but I have three things I got to get in here, Joe, before you get busy. <laughs> the first one is, first of all, congratulations on your Syracuse Press Club Human Interest feature for the Black Equity and Equity Fund. First place. How do you feel about uh, that, you know, I did tease you a little bit. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I put I put a lot of work in, in into that. Uh, so I was very pleased uh, where where I was a little uh, saddened was I was going up against one of my um, junior reporters, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Katie Zokoski. So her piece was up for it. My piece was up for it. Um, we had little inside uh, playful fighting back and forth as to who would come out on top. Um, but I would like to have seen her. Now, she's won a lot of stuff. She's extremely yeah. talented. Um, Y'all cleaned up, W-A-E-R, cleaned up pretty much. We, we, we cleaned up, man. We do, you know, we've been driving to tell great stories and mm -hmm. report what's happening in our community and, you know, get newsmakers on record. Um, you know, that's our focus and that's been our focus and, and it's really worked well for us. You got a podcast Afro futures. Tell me about that. And is that going to continue now that you're gone? It's going to continue. Um, Kevin Kloss is going to produce it and, um, uh, Yusuf Abdul Qadir is still going to host it. Uh, so he's got a, um, a lot of material, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that he wants to cover. It, it turned out to be our fastest growing podcast. It overtook my own podcast, Pop Life, uh, for, in terms of downloads. Uh, so uh, it's something that was needed. You know, we wanted to diversify the voices heard on WAER uh, and cover issues and appeal to uh, folks in our community that wouldn't traditionally listen to us. So we think it's working well. And you recently, I mean, part of, you talked about uh, before we got in this conversation. So, look, I got to go cook, right? And and I wanted to ask you: you did this uh, a podcast recently about masculinity, or not too long ago. And you know, obviously, I do this work on training and workshops and masculinity and so forth and so on. And you do most of the cooking uh, uh, in your house, right? And that would be against the whole idea of what masculinity is. How do you feel about what you've learned about yourself, either through that? 
through that work or your comfort with mm-hmm. who you are as a brother. Uh, and, and, and this, I, this is what I do and I like doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was not born in a cave, man, you know? So, uh, I was raised by a single mom. We had to fend for ourselves early on. I learned how to make a mean cheesesteak sub sandwich with the, with the, uh, the Murray's little thin steaks that you okay. would get for frozen Murray steaks. I mean, okay. I learned, you know, we, we, we had to fend for ourselves early on, man. So it's, um, you know, my, my wife's a boss, you know, she works hard and long days, uh, and our marriage is a true partnership. So, uh, it's not just the cooking. Uh, when my kids were young, I was president of the parent teacher organization. I attended most of the field trips. I ran them to the doctor because I had the flexibility in, in my job um, and where she was tied more to the, the, the business. So I do what I had to do, you know, mm. uh, and we support each other. Uh, so, yeah, no, there's there's nothing more manly uh, than sitting there and braiding your, your daughter's hair after she's been in the pool. You know? How long you, how long you been married? Uh, we are 32 years. OK, so you, you figured something out. You figured oh, yeah. it out. I'm an expert at this. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so what do you, what's your advice to other brothers? Um, regarding what? Marriage and relationships. Oh, it's a partnership, man. I mean, if it, it is, it is a, it is a corporation in which you are 50, 50 ownership, uh, you and your woman, and, uh, you got to pull your weight. She's got to pull her weight. Uh, communication is key, having shared vision and goals and dreams. You know, we've been married for over 30 years uh, and we, we're still dreaming. Mm. You know, we, we will meet on a Friday, uh, usually Friday night is a wine night. So we will pop the cork on a, on a nice bottle of wine and we'll talk about what we want out of life. We'll talk about what we want out of retirement. We talk about our financial goals. You know, we talk about all this stuff. Um, so having that shared vision and passion for life um, and being equal partners is the key to success. I think I told you three questions, so I guess this has to be the last one. What is Jersey going to get from out of Jolie? Well, actually, I have three quick ones, but this will be out because I know you got to get to get going. What's Jersey going to mm-hmm. get? Tell let let Jersey in on what they're going to get from this brother right here. Um, well, you're going to get someone who is uh, too old to wear the mask uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get authentic. Joe Lee. Um, you're going to get everything that uh, um, that that I dreamt for for WAR in terms of community engagement, in terms of great storytelling. Um, but this is TV and radio, right? This is this is TV. Oh, just TV. So this, this is, is a, a whole new. It's a whole game. new. Yeah, this is all learning all new skills and, and, and developing capabilities, um, which was, you know, part of the reason I chose this position. Because uh, I had another competing opportunity in in Orlando for radio, right. I chose this because of what I could learn. So yeah, so they're going to get good community engagement out of us, um, and they're going to get diversified voices uh, and personalities on air at at uh, NJPBS. It's going to happen. And uh, why are you still a fan? Man, I grew up in the seventies, dude. You know, in Baltimore, Maryland, we had the Colts. I, don't, I can't tell you who was on the team in the 70s, but I can tell you the Steelers had Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Franco Harris. I mean, you know, you're a kid and, and idolizing these cats. My brother, same thing. He was a Cowboys fan. 
you know, he had all the, the big, the big name cowboy folks. So, you know, we just, we just didn't pay attention to the Colts, which is why they left town. Do you have any regrets at all? None. In your life? Oh, in, in general? In your career? Oh, yeah. Any, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, having, um, I think the, one of the biggest regrets is I, I've had, um, uh, a lot of fun doing what I did at, at the university at WAER. Um, I think the biggest regret is that I didn't pull the trigger on a move sooner, mm. you know, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm at the tail end of, of, of my career and mm. to, to, to prove that I could do it sooner, longer. Um, I think I, I, I think I, I would have relished the opportunity to, to have uh, made the move sooner, but I wanted to get my kids through school, you know? Yeah. And, and finally, I keep, I've said, fine, I'm like a preacher, finally three times. You, so many notables have come through WAER. Do you have a favorite in the time that you were there who's doing big things in the, in the, in the media right now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to pick, man. Um, so many, right? There's so, there's so many there. So there are great relationships I've developed uh, with alumni who were there before I was there, uh, like Ian Eagle. Uh, who, who's become a, a really great friend. Um, but then, you know, I have uh, Scott McFarlane, who is um, uh, doing great investigative work uh, down in Washington, D.C. For, for NBC. Nick Wright, who's on Fox Sports. Uh, Adam Shine, who's with CBS Sports. I mean, these are all just, uh, it, it, you know, uh, Mike Cousins. Um, there's just uh, Noah Eagle. Ian Eagle's son, who's been like a little brother to me, who is blowing up and will continue to blow up. There's just so many of them. I can't pick uh, an absolute one favorite. They're just all these are these are relationships and friendships that I'm going to carry well beyond WAR into my life. Do they know about your wine, that you're a wine aficionado? And if you oh, leave yeah. us with a recommendation, my brother, we, <laughs> we, we, we cannot, we cannot, I started to have a glass here. So we will actually end with this. We need a recommendation from you. It's fall. So we need a fall recommendation from Joe Lee. Um, you know, I would go, my one of my go-tos is um, Stag's Leap Wine Cellars Artemis. Mm-hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon okay. and it's Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, not Stag's Leap. They're okay. two totally different wineries, okay. right? So it's Stag's Leap Wine Cellars. The Artemis um, is a is a really good medium price go to bottle of red. Joe Lee, Vice President and General Manager of New Jersey PBS. The whole put some, thing. Put some respect on my title. Okay. The whole thing, y'all. The whole thing. <laughs> the former general manager of WAER Syracuse. We wish you well, Joe. And congratulations on a great career uh, in Syracuse, Syracuse community and all of the work yet to be done. Uh, you're going to be living all over the place. So good for you. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm still going to be living. We're keeping our house in Syracuse. Uh, Angie's going to still be here. I'm still involved. I'm still on boards. I'm still um, contributing financially to, to uh, nonprofits in the area. So yeah, we're still very actively involved. So you, you just work in Jersey, but your, your home is in CNY. Gotcha. We got it all settled right here, right now. George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation. Joe Lee, Vice President, General Manager, New Jersey PBS. 
We wish you well. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Inspiration for the nation.